0: page 728 in the pew bible after this jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of levi sitting at his tax booth follow me jesus said to him and levi got up left everything and followed him then levi held a great banquet for jesus at his house
1: I wanted to mention a couple of things. Uh, number one, Super Sunday is happening today. And so if you're a guest with us this morning, you don't know anything about Super Sunday, then stick around after our service and go down to the gym and you will enjoy a free, delicious meal. And so I encourage you to come and uh, and you will enjoy that for sure. And that gives us a chance to get to know you. The second thing I wanted to mention is that Dana Rippenhagen is not here this morning. She has been gone for weeks now, actually, absent from our assembly. And it's because she has some health struggles that uh, cause her a great deal of pain. She's going to be back in the hospital again on Monday. And we just need to be thinking about the Rippenhagen's and about Dana. I know that she is uh, grieving that she can't be here. I talked to her this week on the phone, and um, she'd love to be here, but she can't be because uh, some health-related things. And so we need to be thinking about the Rippenhagen family and remember, Dana, And I encourage you to encourage her. Okay? I'll just say that. I encourage you to encourage her. I think she could use our our blessing and encouragement this morning. I'd like it if you would, if you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 4, verse 34. And that's page 753, if you're grabbing a pew Bible. Page 753. And I'd like to lead us in prayer. Let's pray together, please. Holy Father, this morning we'll look at a portion of your word. And God, I pray that this morning as we do, that it won't be, it won't just be me speaking, but it will be you who speaks. God, we pray that your spirit would be present as we spend these few minutes thinking about some revelation from you. Father, we pray that you'd ready our hearts, make our minds ready so that we can receive what you want to say to us this morning. And we thank you for this privilege of having the the chance to spend a few moments just talking about your word and about the changes that can take place in our lives because you are with your word as it comes to us. It's through Christ that we pray. Amen. Last week I had all of you fill out a card that talked about your dreams. And I asked the question, what is it that you want for our church to be and to do? How is it that you want God to bless us as a church family? And so I went through all of those cards this week, looked at every one of them, read all of your answers, just to see what it was that God might have put on your heart in terms of dreams for our church. And I thought that I'd start this morning by giving you the results of Your dreams for our church. And I think that there's kind of a pattern that goes along with your dreams for our church. And so the first one was the first thing to kind of take note of is this. More than 75% said something about reaching out with the gospel. Now that's striking. Any kind of survey that you give out to people and you ask for responses, first of all, it's unusual to get all. As many responses back as we got. That's a strange thing. But then to have the responses all just conform so closely to one another. 75% said something about, and there were usually several things listed on each card 75% said something about reaching out with the gospel in our world. Almost half said something about our ministering to the hurting of our community. Almost half said something about ministering to the hurting of our community. I found that very exciting. Not that we have hurting people in our community, but that we would want to do something with those people and minister to them. Many said something about making everyone feel welcomed or loved. I hope you feel that way. If you're here this morning, I hope you feel welcomed. I hope you feel loved. And we certainly want that to be characteristic of our church family. And then the last thing was, many said something about the centrality of biblical teaching and growth. And when I say growth there, I mean personal spiritual growth, not so much growth of the church numerically. People were saying something about personal spiritual growth and about the centrality of biblical teaching in relationship to that growth. I just found that kind of interesting. Oops, didn't want to do that. There we go. Now, let me make a few comments about those statements. The pattern of your dreams for our church shouldn't surprise us. And here's the reason. You said that we want to reach out with the gospel, and that was the main thing. Well, reach out to the world happens to be one of the things that is part of our mission statement. So it's not surprising to me that that would be part of what your priorities would be. You also said that you want to minister to the hurting. If you look at our mission statement, it doesn't specifically say that. Instead, it says minister to Christians. I actually think that's interesting. Not that there's a difference between, well, yeah, I guess that is the the issue. You were concerned about ministering to the hurting, and we've said minister to Christians. I think that's worth thinking about, just the difference there between what you said and what we said on our mission statement, which is now over 20 years old. Centrality of biblical teaching and growth, what you said was a priority, and we've said follow the Bible. I think it's interesting that we're saying we want to follow the Bible, but I think for perhaps a different reason than specifically teaching and growth. You said we want to have the Bible central for the purpose of teaching and growth, and we said before we want to follow the Bible. And I'm guessing that 20 or 25 years ago or whenever the specific mission statement was penned that maybe a different idea was there besides just the notion of the Bible being central for teaching and growth. probably had more to do with making sure that we were following the Bible with reference to doctrine. That's my guess. So your dreams for our church fit our mission statement with actually some alteration. Follow the Bible is up there, but with emphasis on spiritual growth was the way that it was said last week on the cards. Minister to Christians is up there, but focus on the community in our ministry is the way that it came out on the cards. And then reach out to the world, that's on our mission statement, and we said this, or I said, that this was a clear priority in going through those cards and looking at them, I thought it was interesting that 75% of you said something about reaching out to the world with the gospel, which makes that a clear priority. And so, your dreams and our ministry priorities, reaching out to the world with the gospel, was far and away the most often mentioned dream for our church. I think that's fantastic. I think that's very encouraging. I think that's wonderful that that's where you were at. I think that fits very well, actually, with the strategic planning that has been going on within our congregation um, that the elders and staff have been doing. You've known for a long time that the elders and staff have been involved uh, in thinking about our church's way of doing ministry and planning for such things. A lot of you know that we went down Uh, in the fall, both this last fall and the fall previous to that, down to Post Falls, Idaho, and spent some time at Real Life Ministries. And that's, frankly, impacting us. It's impacting our thinking, and we're thinking about what it is for us to be a church, what we want to be as a church. And I'm excited about the the correlation between what I saw on these cards this week and what we think we're hearing from the Lord with reference to Post Falls and uh, our experiences at Real Life Ministry. In fact, I would say that at this point, our church leadership and our church family are very closely in sync with each other, just in terms of our thinking and where we want to be. And I find that tremendously exciting. You're going to hear more about that in the future, but I wanted to mention that since you fill out those cards, I didn't want to just leave you in the dark in terms of what the ramifications were. Well, you're at John chapter 4, verses 34 through 38, and uh, if you have a pew Bible, great. Again, that's on page 753. If you're looking at your own Bible, then praise the Lord that you brought your own Bible this morning. Keep that up, because I think that's fantastic. My food, Jesus said, is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work. Do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields, they're ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the, the crop for eternal life so that the so that the sower and reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. And I want to say just a few things about that passage this morning. First of all, it's interesting to me that for Jesus, his Food, specifically, is to do the will of his Father. Now you know as well as I do what food does for us. Food is eaten to sustain us. Food keeps us alive. At least most of the time, that's the reason we eat. There are other times, I think, when we just eat for the pleasure of eating. It's interesting, I, I did some looking at statistics this week. Do you know that there are 22 Billion fast food meals that are served in North America in a year's time. 22 billion fast food meals are served in North America over a year's time. That's staggering to me. I forget what, I think it was 60 million a day is what that is. And I don't know if we're eating all of that 60 million fast food meals for the sake of nutrition. In fact, I would say a lot of times we're not. You eat it because it's convenient. You eat it because it was fast. You eat it because it tasted good. How many of you really do love Big Macs? Huh? Yeah, some of you do. You, like you crave them. Jordan, I'm not going to say that you crave or live for Big Macs. But it's possible. I've met people like that. So you may be one. Do you want to give your testimony this morning about Big (laughs) Mouth? There are people in the room today who absolutely can't live without a cup of coffee in the morning. Right? But it's not just a cup of coffee. Like nowadays, coffee is something other than just coffee. Like we put things in coffee in order to make it dramatically different than just coffee. And so we certainly are not drinking the coffee for the sake of just some nutritional value so that we can stay alive. You don't drink coffee and think, this is what I have to have in order to be alive today. Or, or maybe you do. <laughs> and that's exactly the problem. You drink that coffee because you think that now that has become the sustaining element in your diet. It is what keeps you alive. What does Jesus say is for him the sustaining element? What is it that he says is his food? He says specifically, to do the will of my Father. Now I know, I'm not trying to equate real food with Jesus and his concern about the will of God. But there is this reality within our lives that doing the will of God is not necessarily the thing that sustains us. It's not necessarily the thing that keeps us alive so that we would say, without this, I'm dead. Or, if we do say it, we still live as if there are so many other things that keep us alive aside from that. And so when we start talking about the ministry of the church, we start talking about the potential for us to do what God wants us to do. When we look at our ministry and say, our number one priority is reaching people for Jesus, reaching the world for Jesus Christ. If that's our number one priority, how is that going to happen? My assessment is, we're going to have to change some dietary habits. Or at least we're going to have to reflect on our focus and ask the question, how is this really going to happen and what role can I play? That was one of the questions that I asked about the cards last week. Remember I said, what are your dreams for our church and then what role do you think you can consistently play in bringing about the results of that dream? Well, if 75% of us said, our dream is to have the church reach people for Jesus, there must have been some of you who wrote some things on the bottom that said, this is what I can do in order to help that dream be fulfilled. And I think that on the bottom of an awful lot of our cards needed to be something about a dietary change. When it comes to asking the question, what is it that sustains me and what keeps me alive? It's easy for us to get so caught up in the things that go on around us constantly and in our lives that there's an awful lot of junk food, an awful lot of stuff that infiltrates and that we think maybe is somehow nourishing, but it doesn't nourish. And it isn't really what sustains. According to the AC Nielsen Company, which all of you know is the company that um, keeps track of how much people are watching TV, the average person in North America watches more than four hours of TV each day. More than four hours of television every day. Now, obviously, that's more than 28 hours a week. Now, think about this. If you serve Jesus for five hours a week, okay, And you can just quickly in your mind think, okay, is that what I do? Do I serve Jesus for five hours a week? And I'm not talking about going to church on Sunday morning, obviously. I'm talking about do you serve Christ in some explicit way for five hours a week? If you serve Jesus for five hours a week, the ratio of TV watching to serving Christ is 5.6 to 1. You're watching 5.6 times more television per week then you are serving Christ if you serve Christ five hours a week. Now, if you are like most people, you're sitting there thinking, well, I don't serve Christ for one hour a week or two hours a week. And obviously in that case, the ratio drastically goes up. And I can tell you that accomplishing our dreams for our church of reaching the lost for Christ is not going to happen with that kind of ratio. And so there needs to be some reflection. There needs to be some thoughts about what the church can be and do if we're going to end up being what Christ wants us to be. John 7.38 says, Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Whoever believes in me, he says, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. And I just want to ask the question, aren't we the ones who believe? And if we say that we believe, then I'm thinking that the streams of living water, of the spirit being alive within us, is going to flow out of us. And if it flows, then there's going to be the chance for the world to really hear and to see what the kingdom of God and what Christ is all about as he flows out of our lives because of that living water which is present within us. And the living water is not going to be flowing, brothers and sisters, at the ratio of 5.6 TV watching hours to 1. And it's not going to be flowing if the priorities in our lives don't reflect the real living water that needs to be our sustenance and our food. Life in the spirit needs to be what we feed on to the point that it flows out of us in a dramatic way. Now, that's all about Jesus and what Jesus considered to be a priority. And for us in all of this, there is fantastic news. Verse 35 says, don't say, or don't you say, for." Four months more and then the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look to the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life so that the sower and reaper may be glad together. And the point is, is that God is doing something about this harvest. God is present. He's active. He is working. He's made available to us unbelievable opportunities for harvest. And nobody can ever say, well, the reason that we're not as effective for Christ as we'd like to be is because things just don't look in society like they're going to be very accepting of what Christ has to offer. Jesus says the fields are are white unto harvest and his point is is that God himself is working in the kingdom constantly. God is the one who makes the field ripe and ready and white for harvest. God is the one who makes possible the wonderful things that the church can do in the name of Jesus and from what I can tell, God has not stopped working in 2010. He's there. he's willing, he's ready. He wants to bless, and because he wants to bless, the opportunities to us are abundant. Now isn't that great news? I'm just wondering because when I look and I say, this opportunity for us to do wonderful things in our world, and because God is right there ready to bless us, it doesn't bring all the smiles to your faces that I think need to be there. We need to be excited about what it is that God is offering to us as an opportunity to do His will in a way that transcends anything that we've ever done before. I, I, I have every confidence that the year 2010 can be the best year in the life of this church. There is absolutely no doubt about it. And that's because it's not dependent on you and me. It's totally ultimately dependent on God. And He wants to do it. Now, will we make ourselves available to Him? That's a question. Are we going to feed on Him and on His will and on the kingdom the way that Christ calls us to feed on God? Can we say after Jesus, My will, <laughs> my will is, to, is uh, to feed on God. His will for my life is what I want to feed on. That's what feeds me. Can we say that? Because if we can, then all the possibilities are open. The the reality of us really doing something evangelistically and fulfilling the 75%, that is there if we feed on Christ. This morning in the Bible class, we were talking about um, what the world does to us in terms of our evangelistic appeal. You know, the world right now, at least on the surface, says it doesn't really want to hear about Jesus. At least on the surface, that's what it says. We really don't want to hear about Jesus. Now, I'm convinced that's a lie, actually. I'm convinced that those people hurt badly and that they really need Christ. But on the surface, they say they don't really need Jesus. And so sometimes that makes us not talk about him as much. But we need to talk about him. We need to talk about our Lord and Savior. We need to testify. We need, in a shameless way, talk about Jesus to those around us with the understanding that there is the opportunity for them to come to know Christ and that without Christ, they're lost. Like, do we agree that without Jesus... That the world is lost? And are we not the people who have this message of the gospel with which we can communicate new life to those who need it? It, This is so easy, you know. I can say to you like this. I can say, think of someone you know with whom you're fairly close or you see quite often who needs to know Jesus Christ. Think of somebody right now there is somebody in your life who needs to know Christ. The person, then, who is most responsible right now for taking the good news of Jesus to that person is you. It is. And we can talk about how I don't have the gift for evangelism. I don't have the gift for preaching. I don't know my Bible well enough. We can come with all kinds of reasons why we don't share with that person the good news of Jesus. But I want to compel you to do two things in 2010. I want you, number one, to pray for that person. Commit yourself to prayer for the person or persons that you just thought about who need to know Christ and who don't know Him now. You're the person who's going to have maybe the best chance of sharing Jesus with that person and you need to pray that God opens the door for you to do so. The second thing is, say to yourself, despite my lack of knowledge of the Bible, if that's the problem, or despite my lack of gifting for Communicating to somebody if you think that's the problem. Commit yourself to building relationship with that person and helping them to see who Jesus is. I commend you to do that. Because there are people around you that you know and in some cases you love who need to know Christ and you have the chance of sharing with that person the good news of Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do so. Our church said last week, in abundant numbers, that we want to reach out to the world with the good news of Christ. Given the fact that the fields are ripe unto harvest, given the fact that we can make His will our food, and that through that He will work? I just don't see anything that stands in the way of us being abundantly successful with propagating the good news of Christ. Do you believe with me that the Holy Spirit wants to do that? Do you believe with me that God is desirous of that for our church? That He's desirous of that for your life? If that's the case... Then, what stands in our way? Let's pray. Holy Father, we love you and we praise you. And Father, we want doing your will to be our food too. Sustain us, God, with your presence. Empower us with the presence of your Spirit. Help us to look at those who are around us as those who need Christ and embolden us to live before them and to speak with them in such a way that shares the good news. Father, we thank you for the blessing of what you've revealed to us through your Son. Father, I pray that you'd help us in 2010 to do things that we've never done before. Help us to get more accomplished than we've ever gotten accomplished before. Renew our vision and our hope in a way that it needs to be renewed. Father, through us, expand your kingdom. And in the process, bless us greatly with your presence. It's through Christ that we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing, please.